What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Weekly Football Trio Cast. My name is Austin Consal, and today I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Anthony No. What's going on, guys? And uh, our other co-host, Giovanni, could not make it this week. Uh, hopefully he'll be back next week so we can do our Super Bowl preview. Because we're not going to go over it today. We're going to go over the games that happened yesterday because today's Monday. And uh, But we're not going to really review our preview until next week. Because the Pro Bowl is in between the Super Bowl and the championship weeks. And uh, kind of don't want to give away our predictions until maybe uh, next week. And um, this week will be a quick episode because we don't really have much news since we missed last week. We kind of missed some stuff that we wanted to talk about, but we're just going to talk about one quick thing in the news. um, And then we'll go over the games from yesterday. And that'll be the episode for the week uh, because we don't really want to go over Pro Bowl. It's kind of irrelevant and, you know, it's just a fun weekend for the players. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's just get straight into the news. Um, Only news we have is the Browns new head coach. Uh, everybody knows that by now, but we still wanted to bring it up because we talked about all the other coaches that got hired, so we did want to bring this one up. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, the former offensive coordinator for the Vikings, is now the head coach of the Browns. Um, he he's in he's following the same kind of path that Pat Schumer had, where he was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. Now he's a head coach. Now will he only last two years for the Browns and then get fired and go back to offensive coordinator for a different team? Who knows? I have no idea. He could be a good hire. Um, was he the right fit? Guess we'll find out. I think he had a he ran a really good offense, but you know, I don't know if he's going to be the right guy to maintain all the egos. But you never know because I think that's their problem between Landry and Beckham, Ian Mayfield. They just gotta get them all calm and be one unit instead of you know all over the place, but we'll see what happens. What do you think about the hire, Anthony? Well, it was kind of surprising to me because the last two candidates for this head coaching job were the offensive coordinator from the Vikings and then the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, and they ended up playing the division round of the playoffs, and that game was not even close. I think the Vikings at one point were – they held a record for at least amount of yards in a playoff game until they started throwing the ball late, trying to catch back up. But uh, even talking to some Minnesota Viking fans that I know, their process, like the hiring, it's kind of confusing to everybody. Uh, he didn't run like this lightning offense where everything changed and didn't run anything crazy. If you look, if he was looking for someone who ran a great offense, you would have looked for the passing game coordinator and the offensive play caller for the Chiefs. So this... This hire is kind of, kind of, kind of baffling in a sense. I mean, the Vikings weren't world beaters on offense. They ran the ball well with Dalvin Cook, but even late in the season and in the playoffs, that kind of went away. So I, I guess we'll see. Uh, you know, you have the free agency of Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's probably not going to stay there, especially behind uh, Nick Chubb, the second or third leading rusher in the NFL by the end of the season. So he's gonna have to get a run game, uh, run game set up, play action, kind of like how Tennessee did to open the field up. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, you know, run the ball really well with Nick Chubb, get everybody open downfield. I mean, he has the weapons. It's just like you said, managing all those personalities and getting things right. But we'll see. And also, I know we said we only had this one news, but I also want to talk about a, a former head coach. That now turned coordinator, uh, Jason Garrett, 
is now the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. I did forget that. I probably should have brought that up. I, I just I completely baffled on that one. I I, I think that's an interesting hire because again, uh, when talking in post game interviews near the end of the season for Dallas, people asked who were calling who was calling the plays near the end when it looked like like what are they doing as far as the Cowboys went. And Jason Garrett assumed responsibility for that. I mean, like the head coach, he should. But some of the play calls made no sense. I mean, he ran plays that got wide receivers open. Uh, He ran run plays that, you know, Zeke Elliott was able to eat and move and do stuff. But he also had easily one of the top two or three offensive lines in the league. And that's not going to be the case in New York unless they go after – high-level free agents like Brandon Sheriff, Trent Williams, uh, things of that nature. But I think it, 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 you need an offensive coordinator. Uh, division rival got one of their head coach who's been around for years at that team. You know, the Giants saw an opportunity and took it by signing them. So we'll see how that goes out, for, how that works out for them. Yeah, and who knows? It would be great if he goes into New York. And who knows, maybe as the offensive coordinator, he might make the playoffs or do some crazy stuff and maybe he could stick it to Dallas. Even though I don't think he has any bad blood, I think he I think he's always going to be, um, you know, loved in Dallas by like Jerry Jones. And I don't think he's ever going to have any hard feelings towards them. But, you know, every time you you get well, he didn't get fired, his contract ended and whatever. But whenever you have that happen to you, you always want to stick it to the people in this situation. So, he, he you know, who knows what will happen? I think it's a solid one. He might be a better coordinator than a head coach, and only time will tell. But, yeah, I don't know why I didn't remember that, especially since it was my team. I guess just since it's been days since it's happened, I just kind of forgot about it because I've already talked about it with other people. But, well, I guess, yeah, too, though, thing is, yeah, I think about uh, you have a brand-new head coach and Joe Judge taking over for the Giants, and – you have someone who's been a head coach for years being a coordinator now. And so you gotta we gotta wonder if like Jason Garrett's gonna try to like impose his force and put himself in the position of a head coach. Like if Joe Judge is like gives him slack, will Jason Garrett take it and try to make a new job out of it? Like let's say um. that the Giants are struggling and after a year or two, do you think Jason Garrett tries to force himself into becoming the new head coach of the Giants, or you think uh, he no. just takes the back seat and lets Joe Judge do his thing? I think at this point, what he's going to do is just be as helpful as he can because he knows Joe Judge is new. And that doesn't seem like Jason Garrett's type of personality that he's going to try and overtake this guy if he starts struggling. I just think he's going to be one of those guys that if Joe Judge has questions, he knows that the guy who's his offensive coordinator has 10 years of experience being a head coach, and he can just be like, hey, man, uh, let me get some advice from you. And I know you've done the job before. You were in you were in arguably the hardest coaching position in the league, being the Dallas Cowboys head coach. He's, he's experienced all the pressure you could possibly have being the head coach of that team. It can, I think it can only be a good thing for him to be there and, you know, help Joe judge out. That's just my opinion. I wish Gio was here. Cause you know, we can get more opinions from, from him being the Dallas fan for the, you know, all of Jason Garrett's career. So, but let's move on. Let's go over last week's games or yesterday's games. Um, 
First game was Tennessee versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs won 35 to 24 to advance to the Super Bowl. And um, it was interesting to start the game. I think it was 17 to 7 at one point. And then I think the Chiefs scored two touchdowns and were able to uh, take the lead. And then they never looked back. They just kept it from there. But Tennessee, I think they started off 10 0. And you were like, here we go again. Tennessee is about to get the lead, hold on to it, somehow stop the Chiefs offense and beat the top three teams in the AFC and go to the, you know, go to the Super Bowl uh, being the wild card. But Chiefs, you know, they kept it close at the beginning. The game changer for me was the Patrick Mahomes touchdown run. I, I don't know how long it was. I think it was high 30s, maybe 40s. Um, but he just kind of juked the first guy, juked the second guy, and then he, he got some open field. And then this guy went to go tackle him, completely whiffed. And then he just kind of broke the other two and scored a touchdown. And I think that was the game changer for the Chiefs. I think that was the moment the Chiefs took the lead. They were like, we're not looking back. You know, we got this. And then some throws by Patrick Mahomes are great. But... Defense showed up. Derrick Henry, 69 rushing yards, one touchdown. This guy had 160 plus the first the first two games. Each game, he, he had he was gonna he was on pace to basically break records with how much he was rushing the ball and how good he was. And they shut him down. Now I don't remember, you know, really if the defense did well enough for Tennessee to stop the Chiefs enough. They didn't do terrible because they only held Mahomes to 294 and three touchdowns. But I think where they really messed up was the rushing yards because Patrick Mahomes had 53 in that big run. So that's where Tennessee really lost the game. It was just letting Mahomes run. And, you know, they did allow some big plays. But uh, what are your thoughts on on the game? Well, just like you said, you know, I'm listening to the game on the radio because I'm running some errands. And 10-0, uh, Tennessee's moving the ball. Tennessee's running, doing a whole bunch of play action, all these things that it's like they've been doing all the playoffs. So I'm like, here we go again. But then Mahomes did Mahomes things. You know, every other team he's played so far, they played an aging they played an aging Tom Brady with not many weapons, and they played someone who just, I think, quite frankly, wasn't necessarily ready for playoff, play a high level playoff football. Lamar Jackson, not saying he's going to be the MVP. Uh, he had a fantastic season, but when the lights were on and it was time to play football, uh, his defense didn't back him up as much as they needed to, and he wasn't able to make enough plays to beat Tennessee. But Patrick Mahomes is the human highlight reel of football. Uh, he makes plays. There's no other quarterback like him in the league. I think he's the best quarterback in the league. Throws the ball over the field, no problem. Gets out of the pocket, extends plays. And then he has a track team uh, at, at receiver. Tyreek Hill, Nicole, Nikhil Hardman, uh, Sammy Watkins. When they all ran their 40s, uh, they were all low, 4-3, high four two like ridiculous speeds uh so he has people to get open no one can keep up with him in tennessee's defense or dory jackson is the only one and even he got burned a couple times tyree kill had two touchdowns sammy watkins had the bomb the 60 yard touchdown uh they just they just tennessee just couldn't keep up now Tannehill made throws Tannehill made big plays i think Tannehill will beat tennessee titans 
quarterback for the next two or three years. But as a Dolphin fan, the last play was like the exclamation point of what we've all been saying for the his entire career in Miami. He has no pocket presence. He sat there and he waited till Kansas City got way too close to take him down before he tried to make something happen or throw it away. It was like the ultimate like icing on the cake, like uh, like clarification for us that it's still true. You gave him this great offensive line, great running game, good receivers, but the the last play of the game that marked him not going to the Super Bowl was him not being able to sense the pressure and get away from it before it was too late. He had a great season, you know. I think he turned that team around. If they kept Mariota in, Tennessee might be picking in the top five. But they threw Tannehill in. Tannehill got them back to the playoffs, knocked off the three-seed New England Patriots, possibly ended their dynasty, got to the divisional round, knocked off the number one seed in Baltimore, and then got to the AFC Championship game and almost did the same to Kansas City. But then Mahomes had his 27-yard beast mode play. I'm sitting there watching that with my dad, and the second that happened, I looked at him and said, game's over. They're not going to be able to control him now because he has all the confidence in the world. You just gave one of the best players in the world all the confidence in the world and the lead. It was over at that point. But they still made their plays. The gutsy fake punt call late in the game, late in the fourth quarter, worked to perfection, but they just – they couldn't make plays to keep up with Kansas City, and I don't know if any team can. So it'll be interesting seeing them going into Super Bowl 54. Yes, it will. But I think if there's any team that can keep up with Kansas City on the defensive side, like where they can stop them, it's going to be the team that beat the Packers history, the 49ers. They won 37-20, to 20, and man, they look good. Um, but they took a page out of Tennessee's playbook. Yesterday, Jimmy Garoppolo, 77 yards and six for eight. Mostert, 220 yards rushing for four touchdowns. They said, Tennessee, we like what you've been doing. Let's try it out. Hey, look, it works. And they ended up winning with Jimmy Garoppolo doing absolutely nothing pretty much. And it was great. Um, well, unless you're a Packers fan. Sorry, Joseph, if you're listening. Um, it was uh, pretty Interesting game near the end. The Packers made it a little bit juicy, but all in all, it was just done from the get-go. It was 27-0 at half, and it's it's the 49ers went from bottom two team in the league because they had the second pick of the draft to potentially the best team in the league, if not the second best team in the league, depending on who wins the Super Bowl. And it's crazy that they went from they, – they completely flipped. They went from the worst to the best pretty much one of the best and it's crazy and Packers still had a great season it's just I just think this was the 49ers year to come out the NFC they just look good all year they've been a tough team with that defense and we'll see if they can stop the Chiefs because this is going to be their hardest test this Chiefs offense because they got all the weapons will the 49ers beat them we'll find out we'll we'll talk about it next week uh we'll pick our picks and talk about what we think is going to happen um, but what are your opinions on the on the game? Well, this the 49ers whole turnarounds in the past three years and how good they've gotten it is all due to John Lynch. He came in and he's showing John Elway how to run a football team. You know, I, I talking to a Bronco fan yesterday watching the 49er Packer game, uh, my boy Alex, and he said he was upset when they decided not to keep him 
for a front office role and just to let Elway run it. He went over to San Francisco. Being a football player and someone who's been around the game as long knows you win the game in the trenches. He drafted defensive linemen in the first rounds. He drafted offensive linemen in the first round, paid offensive linemen. And look what happened yesterday. The the Packers front could not keep up with either of those. David Bodiari is arguably one of the top two or three left tackles in the game. Was getting shown up by Nick Bosa, a rookie. They were getting after Aaron Rodgers, forcing fumbles, doing all that. They just they looked phenomenal. They looked ex. They looked really good on defense and on offense. Most are, you know second most uh, rushing yards in a playoff game. I think he had first most and a half ever, and. Uh, Broke the San Francisco 49ers record for most rushing yards in a game, whether it be regular season or postseason. You know, when Seven Coleman went down, I'm like, could the run game be done too? But completely out of nowhere, you know, the former Miami Dolphin, Raheem Mostert, balled out. Four total touchdowns. Uh, But, you know, we give credit to him, but the offensive line gave him truck-sized holes to get through. And it looked like Green Bay was uh, was not ready to tackle. You know, that one play in the end zone where he dropped the shoulder, completely ran him over, and that was it. I, once that happened, you know, it was already like a 17, 20, 17 or 20-point lead at that point. But the game was over. Rodgers was making bad reads. He had that really, really bad interception right before the first half that turned into a San Francisco 49er touchdown. Um then he ended the game on an interception to uh, Richard Sherman. Like Rodgers, Rodgers didn't did not show up the way everybody expected Rodgers to show up. You know the narrative going into the game was Rodgers is going to be Rodgers and he's going to do all this stuff and throw the ball around and he struggled. Granted, his weapons consist of Aaron Jones, who had a great season and I think this is the best running back he's ever played with, aside from. I want to say he played like maybe a year with the aging Ahmad Green, but I don't even think he might have played with him. Um, a real, an aging Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams. Aside from those three, I can't name another receiver or tight end to go out and catch a ball. You know, they they definitely miss Randall Cobb. Uh, but I expect them to. I expect them to be back in a similar situation next season. I think that if. Dallas messes up and lets uh, – why am I blanking so hard on his name right now? Amari Cooper walk. I think that Green Bay jumps on that real quick. And now you have Devontae Adams and Amari Cooper at receiver, and that's going to be something dangerous. However, San Francisco will also be in the same situation next year. They don't have many expiring contracts. If any big ones, uh, Grappolo's locked down for years to come. They don't really have big-name receivers. Their best receiver, Debo Samuel, is a rookie. George Kittle's locked down for years. Uh, Coleman's locked down for a couple more years. Mostert's locked down for a couple more years. Their line's locked down for a couple more years. I think they have um, DeForest Buckner is an impending free agent, but they have someone right behind him to be able to step up and go there. And I could see San Francisco making a trade and drafting Derrick Brown to replace them. So San Francisco's built for this. The only problem I have with them going in the Super Bowl is can they keep up on a speed level with Kansas City? But and, and that's not a knock on San Francisco. 
because I don't think anybody in the world can compete. Like you could literally put your, unless you could go back into a time machine, take Prime Dion, take Prime Champ Bailey, and Prime, and like other Prime, like Prime Rod Woodson and Prime Prime Ronnie Lott, you might be able to keep up with with Kansas City. They're on a completely different level. There's so much speed, but I'm very excited to see two types of different teams playing. You have the Pound the Rock team in San Francisco and an air it out team in Kansas City. So we don't know what's going to happen. Well, we are going to know what's going to happen. We just got away for that Super Bowl. But before we wrap it up, I just want to say uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, we all made predictions that who we thought was going to make the Super Bowl. I picked Chiefs and Saints, so I got the Chiefs right. Didn't get the Saints right. Uh, Geo picked Ravens and was it Seahawks? I don't know. You no, picked Ravens, Seahawks. I picked, I picked Ravens, Seahawks. I don't remember who. I think J- Geo picked Ravens and somebody else. Ravens, Packers, which the Packers lost yes, yesterday. Packers so, lost yesterday. So we all lost our Super Bowl pick, though, because I picked the Saints to win. But uh, I got the Chiefs right making the Super Bowl. So we all got combined one pick right in the Super Bowl. And none of us are going to get the winner right. But, hey, it happens. Nobody thought Tennessee was going to do what they were going to do. And, uh, you know, I thought the Saints were going to compete better. But it's all good. Um, And that will be it for this week. It was a short episode. Not much to talk about. But hope you guys enjoyed. And, We'll be back next week with the Super Bowl preview, and um, I hope everybody has a good rest of your day or night, depending on when you listen. And do you have any final words? Nope. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. You know, Pro Bowl is going to be big plays, no tackling. It's an all-star game. What do you expect? So no real football this weekend, sadly. Hey. Uh, the skills challenge is interesting. I don't know if they what they even do anymore. That is that that that's the highlight of Pro Bowl weekend. You got the skills competition because everybody's competing in that. Like the they used to do like the forty yard dash and like the bench press, but I don't think they do that anymore. But like best hands, uh, toughest runner, things like that. Those are all fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, watch ball. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the Pro Bowl. Maybe we'll talk about the Pro Bowl. We'll see if anything interesting happens. But once again, hope everybody has a good night. Or a good day, depending on when you listen. And uh, see you guys next week. Take care, guys.